Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Blessing and an honor to be back at uh, New Life. I think it's been a couple years, and uh, I know Pastor is speaking this weekend. We talked on the phone yesterday and prayed together. He said he would be here toward the end, so he probably could be coming here shortly. It's good to see some familiar faces and some new faces. I'm Randy Shepard with uh, Crossfire Ministries based out of Asheville, North Carolina, and I come this way about every year, blessed to uh, speak on the K-Love Christian Music Cruise that takes off uh, tomorrow through Saturday morning, and I came in on uh, Friday and spoke at the Care Elementary Inner City Christian School across from the Miami Rescue Mission, and then I spoke to the uh, homeless that come in for a meal at 4 o'clock and a shower, a couple hundred men and women then, and then I spoke to the ones in the program at 7 that night that are in the addiction program, discipleship, they've given their life to Christ, they're seeking to, to grow and to uh, establish themselves in the Lord so they can go out and uh, restart their lives. So uh, it's a blessing to be here today. Uh, it's been a great year, a couple years since I've been here. I have my girlfriend Michelle with me today. Um, and her mom, Jade, over here to the right. They look like sisters. But uh, they're, they're from Brazil, and uh, I met them both, and Michelle, I've been able to minister at the last five Olympics, Sydney, uh, Athens, London, Atlanta, and Rio. I missed uh, China, but uh, Lord willing, we'll be going to Tokyo. But to the guy that leads our trip from Texas, he said, Randy, he said, there's a lady down here that I want you to meet. She's a soul winner. She's a prayer warrior. She's helping set up uh, all the churches that we're going to be doing ministry in around the Olympics. The Olympics, the world comes to the Olympics. So some of you will remember this ball, but it's a good illustration. And uh, all the nations come together. So it's a great time to evangelize and share the love of Jesus. So uh, we brought about 30 people from different ministries from the United States here. And he said, I want you to meet this lady. He said, she's setting up all the favelas, the poor neighborhoods, the churches, the meetings. So he purposely put her with me as my translator. And uh, she translated for me and about five or six others for three weeks. And uh, when I go on a trip, I don't go to sightsee. I go to leave the nest, which is one of y'all's mottos, and to go and share the good news of Jesus. Nothing wrong with some sightseeing, but we witness as we go. And we shared Christ from Christ the Redeemer statue to Copacabana Beach to the churches at night to the favelas to the city of God. If you've seen that documentary, which is about uh, one of the poorest favelas in South America, was blessed to lead a drug lord to Christ in that favela. And uh, God just really moved. We saw over a thousand professions of faith those three weeks. Well, uh, she translated almost every word. And uh, now she can't get away from me. Just kidding. She uh, was already planning on moving to L.A. to go to school. 
and uh, she looks about 25, but she's a young 37. So, uh, but she's in school in L.A., and she was planning on moving there before we ever met. So God had already led her back there. She had her plane tickets, but she wanted to stay there and work with the outreach. And then her wonderful mom, it was uh, airline uh, stewardess for years, and they lived in L.A. for two years during our high school years. So they flew in yesterday from Brazil. I was just in Brazil last week, and she set up uh, 20 speaking opportunities in 17 days. So we were busy. We went from uh, Rio to uh, Salvador to Sao Paulo and preached in churches, basketball clinics, the streets, wherever God opened the door. And then they flew in here uh, last night and stayed with some friends. So they're here with me this morning. And uh, I want to share with you before I bring the word. And we're going we're gonna to look at the word out of Mark 16 through 18. He'll put that up in a few minutes. But right now, I want us to pray. And I want to share with you uh, a video, uh, not all of it, but part of it. It's to music, and uh, it has to do with what the Lord did through Crossfire last year. It's not about me or Jamie, my ministry partner, or Crossfire. It's about Jesus. And I talked with my lawyer friend in the lobby here earlier. And you may be a doctor here. You may be a lawyer here. You may be a nurse here. You may be an electrician. You may be a plumber. You may be a homemaker. You may work at Walmart. You may be a student. Whatever God has in occupation for you, he's put you there to be a light to the world, to be a salt to the earth. You will reach people for Jesus that Pastor Rigo could never reach. You'll reach people for Jesus that a Louis Palau could never reach. You'll reach people for Jesus that a Billy Graham could never reach. And I had a chance to spend, I don't know if I told you all this the last time, but I had a chance to spend about 30 minutes with Dr. Billy Graham about two years ago. And I have to tell a lot of young people in the United States today, he's not a rapper, he's not a rock star, he's not a wrestler, he's not an athlete, but he's a 99-year-old evangelist that's preached in about 160 countries. He's, I know there's a lot of nations represented here, and uh, he's probably preached in your country. And, uh, but he's, uh, he's bedridden now, and I, the Lord's probably getting ready to take him home. But when I met with him, he was in a wheelchair, he had oxygen on, his voice wasn't that powerful voice it once was but he still believes and teaches and shares the gospel and he gave me a statistic that I want to give you and it's kind of a hard statistic so I want us to examine ourselves this morning and be real honest I shared this across Brazil and at the end of the services glory to God the, the altars were full of people that were repenting for this sin that we've committed in the church and I committed it for so long and then God used an injury, you heard my testimony last time, to get my attention. And, and one of my brother prayed here that we're supposed to be bold. And the righteous are as bold as a lion. And he that wins souls is wise. But how are we doing with that in the church in America, in the church at New Life, in the church where I'm a member of? How are we doing with that? And I want to give you this statistic that Billy Graham gives. It's very sobering. He believes that 95% of us that are born again, that means we've repented of our sin, we've given our life to Christ, not that we were born in a Christian family like two guys from Haiti that are working at my hotel, that are working the parking lot. I shared with them this morning while I was waiting on them to arrive from where they were staying. And when I said I was born in a Christian family, 
That's an answer you get a lot. If you share your faith, we're going to talk about that in a message, but you get that answer a lot. And uh, other people give a denomination. Other people uh, have gone to church. But unfortunately, those answers don't get us to heaven. And 75% of Miami, 75% of Florida, 75% of North Carolina, 75% of the United States, 75% of the world don't know how to get to heaven. If you don't believe me, start asking them. If you're a soul winner, if you're a seed planter, if you're a fisher of men, women, boys, and girls, you know the answers you get. We'll talk about that more in a few minutes. But Dr. Graham gives this statistic, and I want you to think about what part you're in. And I'm speaking to myself as well. He believes that 95% of born-again Christians will never lead one soul to Jesus. Now, don't raise your hand. If we had testimony time this morning, take the mic and share about the last person you shared the gospel with. Make us uncomfortable, wouldn't it? It'd make me uncomfortable years ago. I still miss opportunities. You say, wait a minute, Randy, you're an evangelist and pastor's a pastor. I'm a worshiper, I'm a deacon, I'm a leader. Those are your gifts. Nope. We're going to look in the scripture today, Mark 1, 16 through 18. Jesus said, come, follow me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. doesn't say if you want to become a fisher. It says you may become a fisher. If you've got the gift of evangelism, you'll become a fisher. It says, no, we shall become fishers of men. And Billy Graham, one of the greatest evangelists that ever lived, believes that 95% of true born-again Christians will never lead one soul to Christ. So that means if there's 100 people here, five people in here are leading people to Christ or sharing their faith. So I want to ask you this morning, personal question, don't answer out loud, have you been fishing lately? Have you been fishing for men, women, boys, and girls? Now I'm going to show you a little 10-minute video here, and it's not to uplift Crossfire, Jamie or I, God called me to be an evangelist 25 years ago, and, uh, but I still get nervous when I share. And we're going to talk about that a little bit in the message. But think about, I'm going to ask, where I'm going to ask God to put somebody on your heart at work, in the neighborhood, family member, maybe you run into them at the gas station, that God will put someone in your path that needs Jesus. And he's going to do it. He's going to do it before the day's out. And uh, he will give you the words to say at the time that you need to say them. And if you don't know what to say, we're going to talk about that in the message today. So this, this is just sharing praises of what the Lord did through the ministry last year. I know some of you pray for us. Some of you bought a t-shirt. Some of you blessed the ministry. There's some more scripture t-shirts in the back there. You put on a scripture t-shirt. You wear it. You don't even have to say a word. But you should say a word. But it's got Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life on it. But I want you to, us to pray. And then watch the video. I'm going to ask God to put somebody on your heart through the music, the words of the songs. I want you to think about it. Look at the people that God allowed. God allowed us to be in 11 countries last year in 11 states. Glory to him. Nothing I can do or you can do. We saw over 18,000 public professions of faith. You say, Randy, how many of them are real? I pray every one of them are real. And I did all I could to make them real. And then I re referred them to Bible-believing churches like this where they can grow in their faith. But folks, people aren't coming to church. We got to go to where the people are. And that was God's plan all along. We got to break the huddle. If we were watching the Miami Dolphins play and they got in the huddle and the quarterback called the play 
and the ref flew a flag and said delay of game. Nobody broke the huddle. Delay a game. Delay a game. Finally, they say game's over. They don't want to come out of the huddle. I want to ask you a question. Have you been fishing lately? Have you broke the huddle lately? Awesome job of praise and worship. Wish I could take you guys on the road with me. It's easy to preach after music like that, but we got to take it from here. And I looked at one of your core values right here. It says, we leave the nest. We go out, we reach, and we multiply. Inviting people to church is not sharing the gospel. Sharing the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about that in the message. So we're going to turn the lights down. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this awesome church, new life. Thank you for Pastor Rigo, Lord, and his friendship. That he's away today and been speaking, but he would invite me to come and share from your word. God, get me out of the way. Get the video out of the way. Lord, break our hearts for souls today. Break my heart for souls, Lord. Our world is perishing, and we need Jesus. The song that we sang, no other name, compels. The greatest name. He has no rival. He has no equal. Then, Lord, I ask myself, why haven't I been fishing? Have we been fishing lately? In Jesus' name, amen. doesn't work, we'll go to plan B. <laughs> working. Okay. I'll just preach another 30 minutes for that. Just kidding. You can turn the lights on. So turn with me to Mark 1, 16 through 18. I've been to uh, Israel 21 times. It's been a blessing. And I tell folks that... Uh, and I've got my Bible on my phone today, so if you've got your Bible on your phone or however you have it, I tell folks that you can believe the Bible is the Word of God, which is what your pastor believes. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, For all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training under righteousness. You can believe the book, and you can believe the maps too in the back of your Bible. The cities are in the places they say they are. Maybe you've never been to the Sea of Galilee, but you've been to the Atlantic Ocean or you've been to a lake here or you've been to a river. And that's what I want you to get in your mind's eye. You can pop up Mark 1, 16 through 18 if you got that. If not, we don't have to have that either. I got it in my mind and on my phone here. So uh, Sea of Galilee, I was there about a month ago. And uh, I want you to get this in your mind's eye. We're going to read the scripture from uh, God's word here. And verse 16, it says, As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. What did they do? Verse 18, They immediately left their nets 
and followed him. So when we came to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, if you know Christ here today, if you don't, I'm going to give you that opportunity to know Christ. We should have unsaved people here every week because we're praying and inviting them to come. If they're not, then we need to examine ourselves. And uh, if you know Christ here today, then the scripture just told us, Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. So have you been fishing lately? I want you to believe this morning that God wants to use you. Uh, Josiah was a young boy. The children in, in the children's room back there. But Josiah used an eight-year-old, nine-year-old boy in the Bible. He became king of Israel. Now, obviously, he probably had some advisors. And it was a uh, thing that was passed down to the males in that time. But he was the king of Israel as a nine-year-old boy. That's in the word. So God used him. He all, there was also a young teenager by the name of David. And when they brought all the brothers before the prophet who was going to, Samuel, who was going to pick out which one to make king, David was out in the field with the sheep. He wasn't even one of the first that came before Samuel. But all the nice-looking, handsome, tall, muscular, none of them got the call but David. And we, Scripture tells us David grew into an awesome stature of a man but that time when he was picked king he was just a teenager he was out in the fields with the sheep so God wants to use you you got to believe that this morning and from that scripture come follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men he'll make us into fishers of men if we let him and uh, Acts 1.8 but ye shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses not if you want to be my witnesses not if you choose to be my witnesses, but you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You say, Randy, you can go to Jerusalem. You can go to Judea. You can go to Samaria. I'm not going there. They're fighting over there. Well, they're fighting over here too. And you're safer in the will of God there than you are here out of the will of God. But that isn't necessarily what that means. Your Jerusalem may be Miami. Your Judea may be Fort Lauderdale. Your Samaria may be Tampa. Your uttermost parts of the earth may be North Carolina, where I live. Thank God for Michelle, who felt called to come to the United States to be a missionary in America. We're no longer a Christian nation. The White House is not the answer. Trump is not the answer. Obama's not the answer. They're mere men. They fail, they mess up. Jesus is the answer. And if he's the answer... How are we doing on fishing? Have we been fishing lately? For men, women, boys and girls. So when we think about that, the enemy is already bringing some lies and some fears to our mind. So we want to address those. And I believe there's five major fears or lies that the enemy will bring to your mind of why you can't be a soul winner, why you can't be a seed planter, why you can't be as bold as a lion that Proverbs calls us to be, why you can't be uh, winning souls. And the first lie, if you got a pen, I'd write it down. It may already be in your mind, but the first lie is this. I don't know the scripture. If I knew the scripture like Pastor Rigo, or I knew the scripture like Louis Palau, by the way, those of you that know Louis Palau, he was just diagnosed with cancer the other day. He's about 82 years old. He's a great Spanish 
uh, Latino evangelist. So we need to pray for him. But I heard an interview with him that he was at peace. He said, God's in control. I'm trusting the Lord. But we say, I don't know the scripture like somebody else. Well, we can learn the scripture. If I said I was coming back next Sunday, which I won't be here, but if I said I'm coming back next Sunday, and if you memorize four verses, if you memorize the Roman road, as we call it in the United States, what's the Roman road, Randy? Is that a road out here off of the I-95? Nope. The Roman road, if you don't know what the Roman road is, write these scriptures down. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrated his love toward us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6.23, for the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, believe in thine heart that God hath raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. That's the rep recipe for you to share your faith. If you don't know those verses, it's good. I got a crossfire flyer out there that's got them on the back. You can memorize them or you can hand that paper or get you a gospel track and just hand it to somebody as you talk to them and say, hey, let me read these verses to you. What do you think about these verses? But it's better to put them to memory because God will bring them to you when you need them. You say, Randy, I can't memorize scripture. I had a hard time in school. Well, if I said I was bringing a roll of $100 bills next Sunday, and if you memorize those four verses, brother, this is only a dollar, but I'm gonna hand you a fresh $100 bill. Sister, there would be some memory going on this week. And what would our motivation be? Dinero. That would be our motivation. What should our motivation be? Jesus loved us so much that he sent his only son to this world. There's no other name. There's no other rival. There's no other comparison. We sang about it. We worshiped him. Why aren't we telling others about it? That's the motivation to share. And another motivation, you might not like this, but it's in the word. We get into heaven by the blood of Jesus. So if, you're, if you haven't repented today, I'm gonna give you that opportunity. In a crowd this big, there's probably people here that if you died right now, you wouldn't go to heaven. Why? Because you've got church. You've got religion. You've never truly repented and put your faith and trust in Christ alone. When you sat down in those chairs, I didn't see anybody look up underneath the bottom to see if the bolts were fastened. You had faith that that chair was gonna hold you and you sat down in it. That's the same kind of faith we come to Jesus with that his word is what it says it is. He said he died for me, he rose, he, he, he ascended to heaven, he's coming back. Faith is a mustard seed. That's all you gotta know. Childlike faith. We make it complicated. So number one lie the enemy's gonna tell you is I don't know the word. You can learn the word. I challenge you to learn those four verses. Number two, Randy, if I begin to be a soul winner, if I start fishing, then I'm gonna be persecuted. I'm going to be made fun of. I'm going to be laughed at. I may get beat up. Guess what? You might, but you're in good company. Eight or nine of the disciples, 10, 11 of them, one of them was an imposter. He hung himself, but all the other ones probably were either killed upside down, boiled in hot oil, 
stoned to death, they were convinced of Jesus is who he said he was. Are you convinced today? If you're convinced, have you been fishing lately? Have you been fishing for men, women, boys and girls? You say, Randy, man, I, I just don't want to take the persecution. Well, I'm not telling you to be a martyr. But thank God for a man named Stephen who had a man named Saul holding the clothes of the people that were throwing rocks at Stephen. And I believe that had such an impact on Saul watching that, that Stephen was taking those boulders, those rocks, whatever it was, the word of God says it, and I believe it. But he looked over at the people that were throwing the stones at him and he said, Father, forgive them. I think that had an impact on Saul. And Saul was on that road to Damascus and he was fighting against the Lord and he was killing Christians and he would come in churches like this 2,000 years ago and kill the Christians. And then God, those seeds were planted through Stephen. We don't know. Stephen probably witnessed to him, shared the gospel to him. And then the Lord got a hold of Saul and he became Paul. And then Paul wrote, almost half of the New Testament that we read today. Aren't you thankful for a man named Stephen that was willing to go fishing for men, women, boys, and girls? Have you been fishing lately? You may be persecuted. I don't have time to tell you the stories. I was in Jerusalem one time. We uh, do some street ministry. I showed you all last time the ball. I'll show you at the end or if you want to see it, spin the ball on the toothbrush. Get it over with right now. So the
At that time, he was Mike. He was from Wilmington, North Carolina. We were from Asheville. Man, we got on the same team that week. I think God has a plan in that still to this day. And he made me look good. <laughs> I was throwing the ball to him up around the rim, and he's dunking forwards and backwards, and his tongue was hanging out. If you ever seen his highlights, Google them. He always played with his tongue out. and said he got that from his daddy, James, who God allowed me to witness to his daddy on Bourbon Street. What a place in New Orleans. I was walking down Bourbon Street like this. I wasn't looking side to side, passing out gospel tracts. Mr. Jordan, I got the chance to witness to him there. Had met him before, but 1993, he was murdered three months later. You say, Randy, I'm going to get around to sharing with him. You don't know if you will or not. We're not promised tomorrow. So Michael and I got on the same team that week, and we hung out that week with Buzz, my best friend, and Michael's best friend, Leroy Smith, and here was the tragedy that week. Learned a lot of basketball. Talked about where we wanted to go to college. Talked about the food in the cafeteria. I'm sure as 16 and 17-year-old guys, we talked about girls. Nothing wrong with that in the right perspective. How many singles we got here? Raise your hand. Singles, awesome. Do not compromise your dating life just because he's handsome, just because she's beautiful, just because he can play a sport or he's got a certain car or he can sing or he can do whatever. The Bible says do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Amen. That means a Christian dating a non-Christian. You can be a strong Christian and, and, a, and a minimal backslidden or baby Christian, and you still might be unequally yoked. So God wants you to choose wisely. Why am I saying all that? Because when Michelle and I go out, we do things, those of you that are single, I'll put my hands on her face like she'll be pretty. Because that's too much information, Randy. Well, you watch TV, you're getting all the other information. And when I go to foreign countries like where some of you all are from, I always apologize as a North American. You know why? Because we've sent a lot of junk around the world in the way of music, in the way of movies. MTV is not going to tell you, your children, your grandchildren, your brothers or sisters to treat women like princesses. They're going to tell you the billboards that we see going up and down the road and we go to the malls are going to tell you basically that women are just something to enjoy. They're a piece of meat. They're beautiful. That's garbage. They're God's daughters. Our dating relationship, we don't go there. This may seem strange to you, but we've never even kissed. But boy, that's carrying a little too far, Randy. Well, that's between you and God. But you start kissing and you get on the side of the bed, in a few minutes you're going to be doing something else. Do not make provisions for the flesh. I'm not saying you can't kiss. Don't leave here. Don't get that only thing in your mind. But if you play with fire... You will get burned. That was a little extra. That's not about soul winning, but that's a little extra for you. I go as God leads, and I go to God says stop, and I only get to come once every two years. I'll be pretty soon. So, have you been fishing lately? Came back from that camp. I didn't share one word about Jesus Christ with Michael Jordan. I should have. I was a believer. I came to know Christ as a nine-year-old boy. My mom says when I was 10 or 11, I was sharing Christ in the neighborhood. 
I was a witness. I was concerned about my friends, if they were going to heaven or, or not. Then I let basketball become number one. It may not be basketball for you. It could be an iPhone. It could be a relationship. It could be a car. It could be a job. I could put this ball before the Lord. They could put those instruments before the Lord. It's a daily walk. We've got to deny ourselves daily and follow Christ. I mess up, I'm sure. God convicted me. Keep me my eyes on you. So I came back from that camp, and I was doing different things with the ball, and I won't show those things to you. I got a video out there. It's got about an hour and ten minutes of, uh, I don't want to break it. That's all right. It's cool. We're going now. It's no worries. Lord, Lord was in control. You guys are great. He just had you not have it for some reason, so it's all good. Thank you, though. I appreciate Now that you've been working only 15 minutes, right? Sorry. <laughs> But I don't, want to, I don't want to stop here. The Lord's. So I was into basketball. And I would work on different drills. There's a homework basketball DVD back there. If you got a child or grandchild or friend, witnessing tool. It's got about an hour and a half of ball handling, shooting, dribbling, passing on it. Me demonstrating about 10 years ago with a puddle of sweat. You got to work hard. You got to be dedicated. Then on the end is my personal testimony message. There's some scripture balls back there that have scripture on them. There are t-shirts. That just helps me get to the next place. If you don't want anything, that's cool. If you want to invest in the Lord's work, help us on the mission field, you can buy the whole rack and give away in the neighborhood. Just kidding. But I was into basketball. In between these drills, you would get tired. So mom and dad came home, and I was spinning the ball like so, and they didn't think that was too strange. I was putting it on different fingers. I was moving it around, so forth. The next day they came in, I had a spoon out. We go to Africa, Russia, Cuba, Ukraine, Honduras, Guatemala, Mexico, Miami. We tell folks, this is how boys from North Carolina eat ice cream. Just kidding. You get it going real good and you eat your ice cream like so. Paul said to use all means necessary to win some. So when I do this in the streets and I have their attention, I say, I like to say, now, taste and see the Lord is good. Amen. How do you taste the Lord? You repent of your sin. You give your life to Jesus. You get into God's word and find out how much he loves you, how much he cares for you. The next day, mom and dad came home, had a toothbrush out. Just like this toothbrush is going to clean my teeth, the message of the gospel is very simple. Here it is. I'm going to let the iPhone, the Bible part of it, represent God. He's perfect and holy. He's without sin. Let the ball represent the world. We're sinners. Red, yellow, black, or white. We've lied, we've cheated, we've lusted, we've stolen. I tell the prisoners in prison, guys, I've murdered. How'd you get out? <laughs> and that's hard if you've been affected by murder in your family. I don't say that lightly. But we're all guilty of murder. You know why? The scripture says if you have malice in your heart against another brother or sister, and you, you've had anger and you, you blessed them out or whatever, the Bible says, just in God's eyes, this is a good man. Mm -hmm. So we're guilty, friends. And God is perfect and holy. We're sinful. Jesus bridged the gap between a holy God and a sinful world. He didn't stay in the grave like all the religious leaders we're going to learn about. Buddha's in the grave. 
Muhammad is in the grave. Confucius is in the grave. The person that started Jehovah's Witness is in the grave. The person that started Mormonism is in the grave. Jesus Christ rose from the grave. He didn't stay in the grave on the third day. He defeated sin and hell for you and I. That's what makes his name wonderful. Hey, Pastor. Get it going real good? Jesus wants to clean your heart up. He wants to give you peace and hope and purpose. And then you get your old school cell phone out. Call your friends up. <laughs> Pastor, we're talking about Mark 1, 16 through 18. Have you been fishing lately? Some of us need to go home, call up a friend, a loved one, a business associate, and say, you know, you watch me go to church every Sunday. I even tell you that I go to church. I've even invited you to church before. But I hadn't shared with you how to get to heaven. I've told you how to get to the church. I've even given you a car. But let me tell you how to get to heaven. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Have you been fishing lately? You don't have to spend a ball or toothbrush to be a fisherman. God uses that because white boys can't jump, right? You got to do something, right, to get their attention. So mom and dad would come home. I'd be doing those things. Got a scholarship. God began to work in my life. I was in that statistic that I mentioned to you early of Dr. Billy Graham. I was in that 95% that didn't share my faith. In college, if I was leading, I wasn't leading anybody to the Lord. I was probably leading them away from the Lord, but I was going to church like this, looking at my watch, thinking, when is he going to wrap this up? Miss Jade is thinking that now because she don't speak English. And when I went all through Brazil, she speaks better English than I do Portuguese, but when I went all through Brazil, I was thinking, man, I don't know what they're saying. You start picking up little words over here and there. But she's not thinking that. She's praying for me. So five lies, Pastor, we were talking about of why we can't be a witness, why the devil tells us we can't be a soul winner. Number one, I'm not going, I'm just going to touch on it, so make sure you got it. Number one was I don't know scripture. You can learn scripture. Number two, I'm going to be persecuted. Well, you might, but Jesus said he would never leave you nor forsake you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I did that illustration one time in the streets of Jerusalem on one of the trips. You can draw a crowd very quick. I've done it at South Beach. I've done it in Brazil. Y'all probably think this is cute, but not cute, but thank God for it. But there was a crowd around me in Brazil. I preached the gospel and some people came to Christ. Well, people that support Crossfire, they pray for us, they give. I like to have pictures of folks that are, you know, I'm speaking to. Y'all are going to like this, especially you Brazilians. But there's a group of people, about 40, and I've spoke to them on Copacabana Beach. I've given the gospel. Some of them raised their hands to receive Christ. Well, the picture taker was out here taking pictures. Well, when I got the picture back, you know how they wear swimsuits in Brazil. I said, I better not put this in the newsletter. I don't think the supporters will quite understand this. Well, somebody's got to go witness to them, right? Y'all got the picture. It's supposed to be funny, but they're not coming to church. We got to go to where the people are and share Christ with them. So you could be persecuted. In Jerusalem one time, I was spinning the ball like that, and I uh, 
dropped down on my knee and I said, basketball used to be my God, but now Yeshua is my God. And the youth were looking at our crossfire card and I, we had done this before, given an invitation right there on Benny Huda Street in Jerusalem. There's a picture of it on the card and people had come to Christ. And one guy on the corner came to our pastor and said, man, thank you guys for sharing here. I've been wanting to see this happen for a long time. Glory to God. But this particular time I was doing it. And uh, before I knew it, brother, there were about 50 to 75 Orthodox Jewish men with the black hats on, the curls, the black outfits, Hasidic Jews chanting in Hebrew and broken English. And I looked at the guy beside him and I said, what are they saying? He said, they're saying they hate you and they hate Jesus too. I said, okay. So uh, one of them shouted out of the crowd, go back to America and preach to those pagans in America. I said, I was a pagan in America and Yeshua changed my life. There was a 65-year-old elder from a church in the middle of North Carolina with me. His name was Frank. He had lost his hand about 13 years old working in a sawmill. And he was standing there and my ministry partner, Jamie, who you'll see on the card, he had the other 45 people back at the hotel resting after a long journey in the footsteps of Jesus. And they wanted to go t-shirt shopping and then they wanted me to spin the ball. So here we are, the Jews are around us, they're screaming at me, they're calling us Gentile pigs. Uh, one of them steps out of the crowd to talk to me, I thought. He gets about this far away from me and he spits in my face. So I got spit rolling down my face, Frank is right here. I said, Frank, you need to go get your wife and the other couple of people and you need to put them in a taxi cab, go back to the hotel. I will be okay. I'll be back. Frank said, Randy, I'm not going anywhere. He said, you're willing to share the gospel? I'm gonna stay right here and pray for you. Pastor Frank didn't know it, but I was through sharing the gospel. I was looking for a way of escape. <laughs> So I said, uh, Frank, we need to get back up the street because it was dark. There was an Israeli policeman that was about 20 yards away, but he turned his back on the whole deal. I guess he said, I'm going to let these Orthodox Jews have some fun with a Gentile. So uh, they weren't having fun, though. Have you ever seen that movie, Left Behind, where they're screaming at the people? That's what it was like. So I said, Frank, we need to get back up the street. So I turned to walk back up the street. I had the Crossfire Scripture shirt on, sweatshirt. So they had to look at that while I was walking up the street. Well, about the time I turned to walk up the street, a bottle came out of the crowd and bam, hit me right in the side of the head. My adrenaline was pumping. Michelle will tell you I've got a hard head, so I didn't really feel it. Later on, I had a pump night. So I'm going up the street, Scripture, Frank's beside me. 50, 75 uh, arrogant, orthodox, Hasidic Jews. Some of them were literally trying to kick me in the back, Pastor. You say, Randy, that's why I don't witness. Just kidding. <laughs> so I walked up on this piece of meat, piece of lamb that had been cooked. It was a sandwich shop. And at what looked like to be the manager of the shop, I pointed to him like this and I said, Sir, can you call the police? He said, Come with me. So I started up the steps and right 
beside the uh, piece of meat that they were making sandwiches were two other Jewish fellows. I knew they were Jewish because they had yarmulkes on. But they turned on the crowd and they said, you leave these guys alone. They're doing a good thing. They're sharing the gospel. I thought that was strange because they had yarmulkes on. They were Jewish. So I went, up on the, went, on, went on up the steps, looked back, and one of the guys that had said that with the yarmulkes on, he had one of the Hasidic guys down on the floor over him. Needless to say, he'd probably gotten the flesh a little bit, brother. So uh, started walking up the steps. I sat down on a box in the attic of this restaurant. Here's the thought I had, Pastor. My daddy is going to see me on CNN tonight. Frank says, Randy, I'm going to go get my wife now and the others and put them in a taxi. I said, Frank, it's not the time to do that now. They don't know they're with us and you and I are safe. He said, Randy, they're not after me. They're after you. <laughs> sure enough, Frank went right through the crowd, got his wife, kids, put them in a taxi. Not kids, we didn't have kids there. Wife and uh, singles and put them in a taxi, sent them back to the hotel. Frank's coming back to where I am. The two guys that had turned on the crowd with the yarmulkes on stopped him. You said it, sister. She said it earlier. I didn't say it out loud because I didn't want to give it away. But they said, we're messianic Jews. God had us here to help you. The Bible says we entertain angels unknowingly. Could have been angels. Frank comes back up. He shares the story with me. I already had peace. If you're in the will of God, you're going to have peace. When Stephen was being stoned, the Bible says his grace is sufficient. You say, Randy, he died. If we could see heaven now and see Stephen's reward, we'd probably be trying to be martyrs. The greatest reward is a martyr. Have you been fishing lately? Not trying to get you killed. I just want you to go fishing, all right? So, the police showed up with their bats and their helmets, the Israeli police. They came up, they said, what's going on, young man? I said, sir, I mentioned Jesus. I'm a missionary from the States and all havoc broke loose. He said, you stay right here. I said, I'm not going anywhere. So I hear the squad car pull up in front of the uh, restaurant with the sirens on. He comes back. He says, you stay behind us. We're taking you back to the hotel. I said, yes, sir, I'm right behind you. Thank you for saving my life. So I got in the squad car and the Israeli police was having a little fun. They were still there screaming, calling us Gentile pigs. And so the Israeli police took the car and he cut the wheels over toward them and they all kind of jumped out of the way and he looked back at me and laughed in the back seat. So we're going across Jerusalem with the sirens on. He looks back at me and he says, young man, have a good stay in Israel. I said, yes, sir, we're going to Galilee tomorrow. Thank you. So I started getting to the hotel. I started feeling a little guilty. I said, man, I would have never put those people in that kind of danger. You say, Randy, yeah, we're not going to the Holy Land with you. We'll go with Pastor, but we're not going with you. No. <laughs> pastor do the same thing. So I was feeling a little guilty. Well, I got to the hotel, and I said, y'all, I'm really sorry. I said, I would never would have tried to put you in any danger. They said, Randy, what are you apologizing for? They said, we're saved. We don't even witness in America. We're going to repent and we're going to go back and start sharing our faith because we'll never face this kind of persecution probably in America. Well, this was 15 years ago. We may face that kind of persecution in America if we don't come out from under the rock 
and come out of the closet like everybody else has and stand on the word of God and the things of God? So number one, you can learn the Bible. You can learn the Roman road. Get one of the Crossfire brochures. It's got the Roman road on the back of it if you don't know it. Number two, you might be persecuted, but Jesus said he would never leave you. Number three, you say, Randy, if I get on fire and I start being a soul winner, then uh, the devil's going to attack me. If the devil isn't attacking your church, then something's wrong. And you all know this, and I know you're a praying church, but the artilleries of hell are pointed at your pastor, his wife, and his family. And if he can get them to fall, it's going to affect you. It's going to affect the community. It's going to affect the nation. So pray for him. Encourage him. Don't send him out on the field by himself. Go with him like Frank was with me with one hand, 65-year-old deacon. God gives us the full armor of God to fight against the wiles of the devil. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the sandals of peace, the sword of the spirit, spirit, and the shield of faith to stand against the fiery darts of the enemy. If you're walking with Jesus today and you're going against the tide and you're not being persecuted, then you're not fishing. You're not sharing outside these walls if you're not being persecuted. Because in this world, when you mention Jesus, you're going to be persecuted. Some are going to love you. Some are going to hate you. Number four, reason that we don't witness, and I don't know what pastor makes. We don't discuss that kind of thing, but he probably ought to make double what he makes. I get to come back next year now. Just kidding. <laughs> Athletes, musicians, movie stars make way too much money. And I've shared that with Michael and some of those guys. The pastors, are there bad policemen? Yes, they're bad policemen. Are there bad pastors? Yes, they're bad pastors. There's bad in everything. But the ones that are trying to help people, the Bible says you don't muzzle the ox that feeds you. I promise you, he didn't tell me to say a word. I say what God, he may make no lot, but probably most time pastors don't. So take care of your pastor, his family. It's not the preacher's job to witness. He's a great communicator. He's a great preacher, but it's not his job to reel them in down the aisle and get them saved in here. It's our job to go out, Mark 1, 16 through 18. Jesus said, come follow me and I'll maybe become fishers of men. It's our job to be out fishing. If you catch some fish, by the way, if you fish enough, you will catch some fish. You'll be rejected. You'll be made fun of. You'll be laughed at. You'll be called a fanatic. You'll be called a religious freak. You'll be called all kinds of names, but count it all joy. If they get saved, you get a reward. If you get laughed at, you get a reward. That's the best offense. Man, that'll work on any team. Can't lose. So it's not just the pastor's job. It's our job to be fishing for men, women, boys, and girls. The Bible says the church was being added to daily. I know that means the entire church in the world, but in America, I mentioned a statistic pastor that Billy Graham gives, 95% of born-again Christians will never lead one soul to Christ. Have you been fishing lately? The first point, and I'm almost through, that I want you to get is that God wants to use you. You don't have to spend a ball on a toothbrush. You don't have to kick a football. You don't have to be a millionaire. Who did God call? 
He called the fishermen. He called the common men. He called those that were dirty from fishing and smelly and stinky. And what does it say they do? It said immediately they dropped their nets and followed him. I'm not telling you to quit your job. I'm not telling you to go into work tomorrow and say, okay, 10 minutes, I got a message for y'all. Join around my table. No, you might get fired. But you pray for opportunities and God will give you divine appointments. If you ask him every morning, God, give me a divine appointment today, he will give it to you. And if you know the Roman road, if you know the scripture, if you ask God to speak through you, then God will use you to lead people to Christ. And then you tell them, hey, I got a great church that I go to. You need to grow in the Lord now. You need to follow through in believer's baptism. Come with me. And then when pastor gives the invitation or at the end of the service, bring them down forward. Have you been fishing lately? Lastly, the lie the devil will tell us is, Randy, you're single. You got the gift of evangelism. Man, you've been to 67 countries. I got a family, man. I got children. I got, uh, I'm busy. I don't have time to fish. You fish as you go. You fish as you go. Michelle told me she had a chance to lead somebody to the Lord in the airport yesterday on her flight up here to Brazil. She shares her faith. Have you been fishing lately? Lastly, I want you to make a commitment today to the matter of being a soul winner. It's not your ability. It's your availability. My pastor was an introvert. My brother mentioned that earlier. It was planned. God wanted him to mention that because I was going to mention this. If you're an introvert, that doesn't keep you from being a soul winner, a seed planter. My pastor He's in heaven now. I did his funeral. He's about 85 years old. He led me to faith in the Lord as a nine-year-old boy. When I came back to the Lord in college, he taught me to be a soul winner. He was an introvert. Scared him to death, the witness. And people say, Randy, knocking on doors today, man, that just doesn't work. Well, the book of Acts doesn't work then. Because there are people out there, 75% of them, that don't know how to get to heaven. We ate at a restaurant last night in Fort Lauderdale because they were staying in Fort Lauderdale. I didn't know where I was. We were following the, the uh, navigation. And I looked up and bam, across the street, it was this tall building with these nice lights. It looked like a church. And I saw Coral Ridge, D. James Kennedy, if you don't know who he was. He was a Presbyterian pastor that believed in Calvinism. We're not going to get into the, uh, the theology today, but you can probably tell I'm not a Calvinist. I believe it's God's will that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He was a Calvinist, but you know what? He started a soul-winning ministry because he didn't know who was going to be saved, and I don't either. So if you're a Calvinist, that doesn't keep you from witnessing. You still witness, and God knows who's going to choose I believe we have a choice. I'm not here to debate with you. It's a big theological evangelical debate today, but it doesn't keep you from witnessing or it shouldn't. And he started evangelism explosion. What is that, Randy? It's a question that's used just like this. I know that's supposed to mean that I start wrapping it up. I will. I told him I don't get to come often, Pastor. Just kidding. Y'all play. Keeps people focused. So here's the question that you can learn to ask. Or you can Google EE, Evangelism Explosion. Ray Comfort is another great soul winner out of California. Uh, he gives techniques on how to share your faith. 
But I asked this question, 67 countries. Somebody asked me this 25 years ago. It was an EE question. James Kennedy's in heaven now. They've had some struggles at their church since he went to heaven. But that's where it started, EE, sharing your faith, a program. It started 2,000 years ago when Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. But we as Christians don't witness, so pastors have to come up with gimmicks and methods to try to get us to witness. We used to have Tuesday night witness in the Baptist church. Tuesday night witness, yeah, we're all going to get together and we're going to go out and witness. Hey, if we were witnessing every day, we didn't need Tuesday night visitation. But we're not doing it. And I've met a lot, and this isn't your pastor, but I've met a lot of preachers around the world that don't share the gospel outside this pulpit. I was in that category as a believer for a long time. But when you get convinced and you believe the scripture and the song that we sang early that, we, that he has no uh, rival, there's no other name, Jesus is the ultimate. If we believe that and we can raise our hands here, which we should, and we can jump and maybe you want to run the aisle, that's fine. Why aren't we fishing if we really believe that? Those five lies we just looked at, the Lord can defeat all those with the scripture. So you got to believe God wants to use you. Hopefully you believe that this morning. Number two, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to commit yourself to the matter of being a soul winner. What's that look like, Randy? The right message. What's the right message? The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. That's what the gospel hangs on. What if they ask me, Randy, this question, which I've been asked, well, Randy, how can a good God send people to hell? Well, he doesn't send them to hell. You explain this. God is perfect and just. If you went into a trial, you would want a judge that was just. So if the judge is just, sin has to be penalized. We're sinners. So it has to be penalized in order for God to be God. What did God do? He sent his son to pay the penalty for us so we don't have to go to jail. Just kidding. We don't have to go to hell. So he's a just God. He's not a mean God. He's a loving God. We don't deserve anything good. Only by the blood of Jesus. Then they'll ask you this. Well, Randy, how about all those people in Africa, you know, that have never heard the gospel? Is a good God going to let them go to hell? Well, I take them to Romans 1. And it says that written on our consciences is the truth. I believe if a person is really seeking truth, God will reveal it to them. I hear testimonies every day of Muslims in the Middle East having dreams about Jesus, nobody they even knew about, and coming to know Christ because they had a dream. God spoke through a donkey in the Bible. I'm joking. God's speaking through a donkey today. Just kidding. He says amen because I was out in the parking lot. I said, are you coming in, brother? I got a message for y'all today. He was doing his job, the welcoming committee. Awesome. So, you got to believe God wants to use you today. The right message and the right method. This is not the right method. Your children are in bed. Your grandchildren are in the bed. You knock on the door on Sunday morning. You need to be in church, man. You're going to hell. Get up and go to church. You're not going to reach them like that. It might have worked for some people. And I'm not telling you to let them lay in bed. My ministry partner, Jamie, 
He had a drug problem in middle school and high school. He's never touched an illegal drug, but his daddy was a preacher. He got drugged to church at every service. I, haven't, I don't have kids yet. If God wants me to have kids, I, I pretty much believe they're gonna be in church until as long as I'm paying the bills and overseeing what they're doing. And then they can make their own choices. The right message, death, burial, and resurrection. Gospel tracks are great, but we gotta put a smile on our face. We don't wanna go up to somebody like we've been sucking on pickles and say, hey, read this, this changed my life. Put a smile on our face, act like we're happy, ask the Lord to give us joy and say, hey, this message changed my life. Would you read it? I pass out some of those every day. Not pat me on the back, but I'm trying to be fishing for men like God said to do. Trying to obey God, not man. So the right method and the right message. Close with two stories. Introverted man came to know Christ as a 68-year-old man in my home church in North Carolina years ago. Pastor Klein led him to the Lord, knocking on doors, sharing the gospel, asking this question. If you were to die today, we pray this doesn't happen, and you stand before God, and he says, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say to him? That's called an engaging question to get somebody thinking. I've asked President Obama something like that. God's allowed me to talk to Michael the last 30 years after we met at 16 and 17, and now we're both 53. I've asked him that question, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, and what's your name, brother? Richie, Richie you're just as important as the people that I just named. Yes, God's not a respecter of persons. Yes. Red, yellow, black, or white, it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Have you been fishing lately? Yes. For men, women, boys, and girls. You may never leave this county, but pro probably most of you aren't from this county. But the little old lady that's doing what God called her to do, she's sharing in her neighborhood. I met a 98-year-old lady at a church in Jerusalem two months ago, Pastor, when I was there, and she was giving testimony of how she shares Christ with the taxi drivers. What's my excuse? What's your excuse? The 68-year-old businessman prayed to receive Christ. Pastor Klein said, we've got Tuesday night visitation. Brother, I'd like for you to come and, and I want to teach you how to share your faith. Guy said, okay. Two weeks later, Pastor Klein sees him in the hallway at church. He said, brother, you haven't come yet. He said, pastor, I've been in the parking lot both Tuesday nights, so scared that I couldn't get out of the car. He said, just come, just go with me. You don't have to say a word, you just pray. How do you learn? How do you learn to kick a football? How do you learn to shoot free throws? You learn by doing. So he came. He would go out with Pastor Klein. He would hear Pastor share the gospel. He would pray. By the time that guy died at 80 years old, he had led over 100 people to Christ. What's my excuse? What's your excuse? Lastly, my daddy. When God got a hold of my life, my dad was a Christian. He provided for me. He was a businessman, but he wasn't a soul winner. He sang in the choir. He had jobs in the church. Those things are good, and pastor needs your help, but that doesn't excuse you from sharing your faith. You may not have the gift of evangelism, but every Christian should be an evangelist, quoting Dr. Adrian Rogers, who was one of my mentors. It's in heaven now. 
So my dad had a stroke. I mentioned that this morning to her. At 79 years old, right side of his body was paralyzed. They put in a feeding tube. He was so big, we couldn't take care of him at home, 6'4", still about 220, 230. My mom was little. We had to put him in a nursing home. She was there every day serving him, two and a half years till he died. In the nursing home, glory to God, he grew as I grew in the Lord, and soul winning is contagious. Some of you are wanting to go right now, but by tonight, the devil's going to throw water on it. So he got excited about sharing his faith. As a businessman, he would give a track out when he went into someone's home to sell them windows or doors or siding. Before he would leave, he would say, hey, I want to share this message. You say, man, Randy, I don't mix religion and, and work. Don't. Don't mix religion and work. Mix relationship and work. Yes. Because if you own a business, who's bringing your money to you? Either God's bringing it or your craftiness is bringing it. You say, man, I might lose a job. Well, who's, 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 who's your boss? My God shall supply all your needs. Your places that pastor can't be or I can't be. So my dad at the nursing home wearing diapers, not able to get out of the bed. I'd get him up in a wheelchair, take him into a room. We'd talk. I'd say, Dad, I hate I have to go on this trip. He said, son, you go and I'll pray. The Lord allowed him to lead three people to the Lord in the nursing home that were cleaning his dirty diapers at 80 years old. If an 80-year-old man that can't walk, that's paralyzed, is fed by a feeding tube, can share his faith, what's my excuse? What's your excuse? Hopefully you believe today that God wants to use you in this church. Pastor has a vision for this church, but it's going to take you to help him reach it. If we're not fishing, we're not going to catch fish. Have you been fishing lately? We can overcome those five lies that I can't memorize scripture. I might be persecuted. The devil will attack me. It's the preacher's job. I don't have time. We can overcome all those by the word of God. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave living inside of us. We sang about it this morning. No name compares. There is no rival. If we believe it, Let's start casting the net. Learn the Roman road. Get you some gospel tracks. Learn to share your testimony in two or three minutes. What's a testimony? How your life was before Christ, when you came to know Christ, and how your life has changed. You say, Randy, I don't have a dramatic testimony of what God got me out of all kinds of hell. Well, my ministry partner, Jamie, if he were here, he never had a drop of alcohol in his body. I'm not here to debate alcohol with you. He never had a puff of smoke in his body. And when he got married at 45 years old, he was a virgin. That's how God designed those children in the nursery to come to Christ at a young age and to live. Not getting off the path like I did, and God had to use an injury. He had to take basketball from me. And then when he humbled me in a, in a uh, clinic in Richardson, Texas for eight weeks with major depression and major anxiety and showed me that all I had was Jesus. My parents couldn't help me. The doctor couldn't help me. My preacher couldn't help me. Oh, they could pray for me. But then he, I'm convinced. Are you convinced? If you're convinced, let's start fishing. We're going to pray. Have an invitation. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. 
Maybe you want to become a fisherman today. Jesus said, come follow me. He's telling you today, come follow him. Confess your sin, repent, believe on Christ. Salvation. We must be born again. And hey, don't worry about the results if you're fishing. The results are in God's hands. The Holy Spirit draws. But if you share enough, people will come to Christ. You may know the Lord, but maybe you say, Randy, I can relate to the part you shared about basketball becoming number one. I'm here, but something else has become number one. I don't need to be saved today, but I want to make a recommitment today. I want to come back to the Lord today. I want the Lord to be the head coach of my life. And lastly, you say, Brother Randy, that statistic of 95% that never led anybody to Christ, I hate to admit it this morning, but I'm in that statistic. I was too for way too long. But you don't have to stay there. You can come today, kneel at this altar and say, Lord, I'm making myself available. I believe you want to use me. You use the fisherman. You use the common man. You use the man that's 80 years old wearing diapers, paralyzed in a bed. As people were changing his diapers, he shared the gospel. Lord, I believe you want to use me. And today, Lord, I'm taking it all the way. I'm going to make a commitment today, Lord, to make myself available. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm making myself available. I'm going to pray for divine appointments. I'm going to pray God would give me the words. I can't mess it up. Friends, you can't mess it up. They're already away. You can't drive them any further away. They're already lost. The right message, the right method, love and prayer. Pray, start your prayer list with people you want to witness to, people you want to see come to Christ and watch God soften their hearts. You plant, another one plants, another one waters, God gets the increase. Lord, I thank you for these awesome people. Thank you for Pastor and his friendship over the years. Lord, I'm speaking to myself today. I miss opportunities every day. I fall short. Lord, I pray right now if there's a person within the sound of this microphone who doesn't have the assurance, doesn't have a biblical answer to the question, if you died today and you stood before God and he said, why should I let you into heaven? Being good won't do it. Going to church won't do it. Being Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, non-denominational, Pentecostal won't get us in. You, You told Nicodemus, you must be born again. It's very simple. If you need to make that decision today, just admit to God you're a sinner like me. Number two, you believe that he went to the cross, that he was buried, that he rose. And just like that toothbrush cleaned my teeth today, you want Jesus to clean your heart up. Just tell him, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. Come into my life. I'm trusting you, Lord, to save me right now. I don't understand everything but I'm coming to you with childlike faith. I repent of my sin. I put my faith in you, Jesus. Make me into the person that you want me to be. I'm trusting you right now to save me, Lord, and be my Lord and Savior. I'm repenting, Lord, turning from my sin, putting my faith in you. If that's your prayer today, you meant that, you prayed it for the first time, or you weren't sure, but you nailed it down today, Bible says the angels in heaven are rejoicing when one soul comes to Christ. If you prayed that today and you meant it for the first time or you weren't sure but you nailed it down. 25 years ago on a basketball scholarship I nailed it down. 
because I hadn't been living for the Lord. And the question is not, can we lose our salvation? The question is, did we ever have it to begin with if we're not convicted when we sin and if God doesn't get our attention by chastising us because he loves us? And we say we're a Christian, then we need to check and see if we really know the Lord. If you prayed that today for the first time or you nailed it down, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You shouldn't be ashamed of that. Greatest decision you could ever make. If we're ashamed of Jesus here, how are we going to share him in the neighborhood? How are we going to share him at work? If you prayed that today, you nailed it down. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I just ask you to take a bold step and slip your hand up right where you're at. I prayed that today, brother. I asked Christ to come into my life for the first time. I understood it for the first time. Just lift it up. Amen. Secondly, he said, Brother Randy, I know the Lord, but I've gotten off the path. I come to church. I go through the motions, but Christ is not number one in my life, and the Lord has convicted me today. I don't need to be saved, but I want to confess something in my life the Lord has shown me today that's become more important. You pray this prayer, dear Jesus, I know you live in my heart, but Lord, there's some things in my life or there's something in my life that you're convicting me of, Lord, and right now I confess it to you. For Randy, it was basketball and fame and pride. But Lord, today I come and I confess this to you, and Lord, I want you to be number one in my life, fresh and anew. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. If that's your prayer today, prayer of recommitment, of your life to Christ, I'd ask you to slip your hand up right where you're at. Awesome, 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 awesome. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. 15, 20 hands, glory to God. Say, Brother Randy, I haven't been fishing lately. Scares me, those five lies the devil tells us, I've dealt with those, but today I'm gonna make myself available. I believe that God wants to use me and I'm going to make myself available. He used Josiah. He used the little shepherd boy named David. He used your 80-year-old daddy. He wants to use me. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm willing to make myself available today. And I want to ask the Lord, forgive me for the sin of silence, not fishing. If that's your prayer today. You see, I believe there's something about a public decision that lets us know we mean business. Say, Brother Randy, I want you to pray for me today for boldness, for courage. I'm making myself available today. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm making myself available. If that's your prayer, nobody's looking around. But you say, I'm, I'm willing to make a step of faith today. If that's your prayer today, I want you to stand to your feet. I'm already standing. I want God to make me bold. I want him to give me divine opportunities. Nobody's looking around to see who's standing, but I'm standing today, Brother Randy, because I want to make myself available. I believe God wants to use me, and today I'm making myself available. I want you to pray this with me. This is my prayer as well. Dear Jesus, I come to you today. Lord, you said that we're to be fishing for men, women, boys, and girls. And Lord, I'm making myself available today to do that. You said in your word, the righteous are as bold as a lion. You said, he that winneth souls is wise. 
Lord, you do it through me. I'm making myself available. And Lord, I ask you, forgive me for not fishing, for the sin of silence. Lord, give me holy bolus today. Give me divine opportunities. Give me courage. And Lord, when I get made fun of or laughed at or persecuted, help me to understand they're not persecuting me, they're persecuting you, Jesus. Lord God, this is my prayer as well. I'm gonna ask pastor to come. I'm gonna turn it over to him however he lead, feels led to do the rest of it. This altar is open. If God has put somebody on your heart during the service, you wanna just come lay them on the altar or you wanna lay yourself down here on your knees and say, Lord, I'm available. I don't know what it looks like, but I'm available. This altar is open. You come as an instrumentalist play. If you need to come and you're an instrumentalist, then we don't need music. A lot of you have lifted your hand for recommitment. You want to let pastor know that? That encourages your pastor. He knows people are behind him. He knows people are on the same team. You can come, let him know, pray with him. There's something about a public decision, y'all, that lets us know we mean business. It's a step of faith. So this altar is open. If you want to talk with me, prayer, whatever it may be. We're not going to prolong it, but if God is dealing with your heart, don't worry about anybody else. You move and it may move the whole church. You come as the Spirit invites you here.